peace, power, and blessings. This is the Pitch Podcast with your host, Satchel Page. We're inside the man room where we are all about the preservation of the funk. How y'all doing today? Hope everyone's doing well. Um, I just got back from Los Angeles, California. Uh, took the kids on a little vacation. Uh, went to the malls and did a lot of some shopping and stuff with my wife and went to the record store or a couple of record stores. Picked up a few goodies and whatnot. And, um, yep, back home, back inside Jaffrica in the mighty jungle, uh, living it up, trying to enjoy the rest of this spring break. Uh, but I'm here with another podcast for everyone's, everyone's, everyone's. Um, special guest for this episode will be yours truly, <laughs> flying solo today. Um, but that don't mean that it still can't be good, you know what I'm saying? So uh, anyway, shout out to everybody that uh, is listening that has subscribed already. Um, if you have not subscribed yet, uh, please do check us out on the Dope Media Network. You go to the Pitch Podcast, Dope Media Network. Go ahead and like us there. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, the Pitch Podcast, Dope Media Network. Uh, also, Satchel, if you have that app on your phone, it's a very cool app. Uh, get a lot of other cool podcasts like the Comprehensive Beatdown, Rogus Gent, Token Talk, uh, Let's Talk Jackson, and the most weird podcast I've ever heard uh, by Patrick Jerome. That message is crafty. Uh, uh, what's the name of it? Blasted. I can't think of the name of it right now. But uh, yeah, that one is great. Uh, but you should check it out. Uh, let me check up the name for real quick. Pearl River Flow, that's the name of it. Yeah, I had a little mind fart. Anyway, check out those podcasts and others. Anything that suits your interests on the Satchel app. Um, and of course, you know, just give me a little old like and whatnot. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to all those podcasts and enjoy ourselves and just, you know, keep the community building up here in Mighty Jaffrica. Uh, so, any rate, what I wanted to discuss today, talk about uh, one of my favorite labels. Well, before I do that, I have to uh, give a shout out. I don't think I've done it yet uh, live on the podcast, but uh, my homeboy, Nicholas Payton, uh, who released his album, the Afro-Caribbean Mixtape, uh, on February 10th. Um, it is jamming. Uh, there's not enough words that I can come up with that can describe just how good and just how important that album is. I mean, the brother dug deep uh, into his soul and created uh, that that album, and I love it. I love it. I love it. It, it is clearly my favorite album of the year. Uh, I play it at least once a day, um, and it it is very, very important because the message that uh, it delivers that, you know, black creativity, you, you can't put that in a box, you know, and it's all one and the same. And I think I, I've, I've preached that message, uh, here on this podcast. And that's just kind of the way that, that I look at things, you know, when it comes to the creativity of black people, uh, there's no need to put any of it in a box. You know, it, it's all one and all in the same. And he executes that so perfectly on that album because what you call jazz or what you call hip hop, what you call R&B, what you call soul, what you call Latin fusion, what you call jazz, I mean, whatever. It, it's all in that album. And he puts it all together uh, without any kind of effort. Um, so yes, please check out Nicholas Payton's Afro-Caribbean mixtape. Uh, maybe one of these days I can get him on the podcast and who knows, uh, not trying to put him out there and trying to force the issue or anything like that, but you know, one of these days maybe we can connect and, uh, he can share some of his ideas, uh, with us. That'd be cool. But, uh, this podcast right here, this episode is dedicated to 
one of my favorite labels uh, in music. Uh, you know, there there are a lot of labels that you know you can mention, and just the names and listen to powerhouse of the songs and everything that just quickly come to mind. You know, you you think of uh, Motown and how. Uh, instrumental it has been in American music personally I don't like Motown hardly at all <laughs> for my reasons but you know I understand its importance I still want to fight Barry Gordy though um, there's Stax Records you know and the work that Isaac Hayes and Bar Hayes and Otis Redding uh, did with that uh, with that label uh, Def Jam I mean Def Jam was hidden for a long time and if you're like my age uh in my age group you know they almost couldn't miss for a good five to ten years i mean you get or maybe even longer you see something with def jam on it you you knew it was uh certainly an album that you needed to get um and of course you know there's blue note and impulse and prestige uh the major j word labels who are just classic after classic after classic and name upon name, artist upon artist affiliated with those labels. Uh, but one of my favorites that does not get a lot of appreciation for its contributions into music, at least I don't think it does, is, uh, is Solar Records. Um, Solar Records uh create founded by Dick Griffey who worked with uh Don Cornelius on Soul Train uh music executive um he worked with the uh Constellations label and moved over and formed and started uh Soul Train Records uh in 75 and then later on uh and a couple years later, came up with the label Solar Records. So uh, Solar is, in fact, like the child of Soul Train Records. Um, great, great label. Uh, very instrumental, impactful uh, from the late 70s into the early to mid 80s as far as uh, the dance music in in black america um it was the perfect sound because it was you know it was the the disco that was very popular around that time uh it was the funk uh funk ballads soul music and uh yeah very very important didn't do as commercially as well as you know, of course, like the Motowns and Atlantics and whatnot, the really, really big labels. But that doesn't mean that it was not important, and it certainly was important, uh, particularly when you look at some of the artists that came from uh, Solar Records. Uh, one, of course, and he's still, you know, very important to the music industry. Uh, done so much work for not only for himself but others and that's a uh, babyface who was you know, signed to solar records along with his uh, early group the deal uh this climax uh i don't know if, and not too many all woman uh funk bands climax being one of them i think like magic lady being another uh but yeah, Climax, all-woman funk band, uh, Men All Pause, Meeting in the Ladies' Room, I Miss You, uh, several other hits that they had. Uh, they were with Solar Records as well. Um, Dynasty, uh, Diggers Know About Dynasty, um, certainly the, uh, the Camp Low Lucini sample comes from them. Uh, so if you weren't familiar now, you know. Uh, Lakeside, another funk band. Uh, if you're not familiar with Lakeside, you are familiar with uh, Coolio's first hit single, Fantastic Voyage, basically <laughs> the same song. Um, 
one of my favorite really is my favorite uh male vocal group and that's the whispers love the whispers they are one of the strongest uh groups in the under the uh, solar label also the silvers uh more importantly the uh the eldest brother uh leon silvers who was a in-house producer and writer for uh, Solar Records and Midnight Star, another one uh, with a lot of hits in the '80s uh, and offshoot uh, Callaway, uh, formed by uh, two of the brothers from Midnight Star, uh, and uh, their most, I guess, the the best-selling group out of the label. I think it is, um, Shalimar, uh, certainly all the hits, uh, that they had in their period, um, really formed from Soul Train, the show itself, uh, with the dancers, Jody Watley and, uh, Jeffrey Daniel and, uh, Gerald Brown. So, uh, they, they were, the dance they were dancers on Soul Train who could also sing pretty well and they were brought and signed under Solar Records to you know as a I guess a house act or whatever. Um but then the you know the more popular form of Shalimar, uh, the one that every most everyone is familiar with, uh Howard Hewitt. Howard Hewitt, uh, Jeffrey Daniel, and uh, Jody Watley. So that's, you know, you when you look at those names, uh, you see that that's a pretty significant label. Uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, songs come to mind uh, when, you, when you think about uh, those names I just listed. And... Uh, yeah, all, all of this under Solar Records. Um, so, yeah, as I was saying, uh, this label formed in 77? Yeah, 77 under Dick Griffey, who worked with uh, Don Cornelius at Soul Train. Um, so, they started out with an act called the Soul Train Gang, uh, a vocal quartet um, formed with uh, Gerald Brown, Terry Brown, Judy Jones, uh, Patricia Williamson, and later uh, Denise Smith. Um, but that, that was the first, the first act that was signed under Soul Train Records. Um, and of course, you know, it... Soul Train was was popping at this time. Uh, had moved from Chicago to Los Angeles, so uh, it broadened their audience with that move, and they wanted to be more ingrained into the music industry. So, you know, they started their own label, uh, and this was the first first act to come from the Soul Train Gang. Uh, a couple years later. Uh, they formed, well, Dick Griffey made the offshoot from Soul Train Records and formed uh, Solar Records. Uh, again, it was like a disco dance label, the R&B, whatever, you know, funk music. It, it was it was all of that. Um concentrating more on, you know, dance music and, and hits and, and putting out hits uh, that were not as cookie cutter as Motown, which is, you know, one of the reasons I'm not really a big Motown fan because I think you can be a hit factory, but it's like, you know, who are you making the music for? And, you know, this is just me and, and my opinion. Uh, that I hold to, uh, Motown wasn't particular about making music for black people, but they would employ black artists. 
So it's like, you know, we'll we'll get, you know, the black artists because that's who everyone is listening to. We know they're the trendsetters. But when we make the music, we're not making the music for black people. And that's what Motown was essentially about. That's how Barry Gordy uh, built an empire. Uh, Solar Records was, they were about making hits as well. Making about, you know, they were about making uh, dance music, this party. But the party was centered, uh, and the 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 audience uh, that it was intended for was black people, and if white people dig it, then cool, great, awesome, more money, cha-ching. But it wasn't like oh, we we got to make some music for them that that they'll that they'll get into, right? Because uh, there's plenty of that anyway. I mean, you can find that with every single label. You can't name a label that you know around that time that wasn't doing that. Uh, but um, Solar Records was about making the music that, that the black kids were dancing to. And so with that, uh, the idea, you know, along with, you know, trying to keep the same formula that they used with the, the Soul Train gang, they created Shalimar. Uh, again, with Jody Watley, Jeffrey Daniel, and one of the members of the Soul Train gang, uh, Gerald Brown, and they had. And this was in '77. Uh, they had a, a few few albums that were released uh, in se- uh, in that period. Uh, Uptown Festival, Disco Gardens, and then uh, later on, uh, that's when they then they bring in Howard Hewitt. Uh, Howard Hewitt, uh, I think, obviously, is a much better singer than than Gerald Brown. Uh, not not just vocally was he, you know, a better singer, but I think you know, Gerald Howard Hewitt is to this day, to my knowledge, I mean, he is still a great performer. Uh, he knows how to sing a song for the ladies. You know, and when when any of it, I mean, his ballads or, you know, his party hits or whatever with, with the group Shalimar, when he sang the song, he made the ladies feel like he's singing to them individually. And that's like a craft right there. I mean, not everybody can do do that. That is like some genius work. Uh, Jeffrey Daniel, I don't know <laughs> if if I'm familiar at all with Jeffrey Daniel's voice kind of got lost to me in the group, but find a better dancer, you know, <laughs> find a better dancer than Jeffrey Daniel. And he is certainly not the first person to ever do the moonwalk because I mean, you, you had to look back, you know, 50, 60 years, uh, see the first person to do the moonwalk, but, uh, he's the one who inspired Michael Jackson to, to get on that wave. And Michael Jackson, of course, made it popular. Everybody, when you think of the moonwalk, you associate that with Michael Jackson. However, Jeffrey Daniel, uh, as far as like breaking and popping and in, in other dance moves, he was a beast and still is a beast. I mean, uh, I believe he's still living in Japan and, and, uh, very influential there. And as far as like dancing and, uh, getting all of that popping off there. And, Jody Watley, who at the age of eight or nine, I, I did have a crush on Jody Watley. She, uh, after she left the group Shalimar, after after the group broke up, or whatever. Uh, but great singer, uh, great dancer, great group. Um, it's a shame that uh, Watley and Hewitt just cannot get along because. That was a very, very dope group, especially around that time. Like I, it is certainly, I believe, past its prime right now. And there's no need for them to get back together unless they're going to do a reunion tour or something, you know, like that. But uh, I think at that time, I mean, they they burn out too quickly. They 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 should have stayed together just for a little bit longer, you know. Um, I would have liked to see to see them carry on at least until the late '80s. Uh, but they, they yet and still at the same time, uh, 
they're very influential. The second time around is like playing in my head right now as I'm going through uh, this podcast. Uh, For the Lover and You, also a great big hit. My sister's uh, favorite song is uh, Night to Remember. (laughs) Yeah, Night to Remember. I had to think about it for a second. But uh, yeah, that's like her favorite song. In fact, she, she played that at her wedding, her and her, her husband. Uh, that, I, that was their first dance to that song. But um, Shalimar is a great group. They they burned out too fast. Um, couldn't get along. A lot of squabbling and stuff inside the group. But uh, certainly they, they have all had lasting careers. Uh, maybe... I mean, Jeffrey Daniel, not music-wise or whatever, but certainly as far as the dance and dance instructor, uh, instructor that that he he that he is, uh, Jody Wiley. Uh, after being with Shalimar for you know almost a decade, goes on to do a solo album, and then all of a sudden she wins uh, Grammy for. Best New Artist, which, you know, go figure. She's been doing that for almost 10 years. Uh, and certainly Howard Hewitt, uh, his solo career. Uh, very, very successful solo career. Uh, and so, you know, that's one of one of the big groups, well, the biggest group, if you will, from Solar Records. Um, another group that, again, I love, my favorite male vocal group is the whispers like you if you ask me uh i put the whispers up against anybody and like who gonna who gonna check them you know uh, up against your temptations up against your boys to men up against jodeci uh, up against you know whomever you want to throw up at them you know i'm like look man hey hey walter scotty you know just saying <laughs> you know them boys get down uh but yeah, the Whispers, love the Whispers. Uh, they were actually an older group. So I think their importance with Solar Records is that, you know, unlike, say, a Shalimar that's built in the house, or unlike the Silvers, who they got on with their brother, who was like producer for the label, or even, you know, The Deal, Midnight Star, those those groups come later. The Whispers were an established act. And you're talking about um, the, the mid-60s where, you know, they where they began. So it was already, already an established vocal group, right? And then they signed on with Solar Records a little bit later in their career, Um but yet and still, at the time that they got on with Solar um, in the in the 80s, I mean, they come out with some hits. I mean, they had some tremendous music, I mean, that 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 jumped off once they signed with with the label. And I, I would say, you know, if if not their uh their biggest hits, I mean, close to it, you know, um the Headlights album uh with Olivia. <laughs> That's my jam right there. I, I love that album. Uh, Imagination, This Kind of Loving, uh, So Good, Just Gets Better With Time, uh, this um self-titled album. They had a lot of hit records platinum gold selling records that they did under solar and I'm, I'm looking them up right now they didn't have that much success with any other label so certainly the whispers uh they're they're strong as their their high point uh in the 80s the early 80s so you're talking about you know these, these guys are late 30s 40 years old and this is when they, you know, they reached their peak. Um, so, you know, that that's what's so important about the Whispers and how they were involved with Solar Records because you, you got some 
older established guys who who get on with this label and they validate the label because it's not just like a bunch of new kids whatever or you know some developing acts that they have but you have again an established act that is uh out here doing quite well you know having their best success with the label um i i love i love the whispers uh again this is my my favorite i mean the the video keep on loving me that is like that is the jam right there what the song is jamming but then uh just the the video and everything the dance moves uh it's it's so funky you know and it's just cool what the, those brothers were able to do uh for as long as they did uh Love the whispers. Put them up against anybody. You know, fight me if you disagree. Um, <laughs> um, but then, you know, there's also, like, you know, Babyface, as I said, who uh, early, early on in his career was with Solar Records along with The Deal and certainly didn't have, didn't have the the resume as, as when he was with... Uh, uh, LaFace or well, Atlantic, you know, and became, you know, uh, created LaFace Records. Well, I mean, not Atlantic, but Arista, excuse me. Uh, but yet and still, I mean, certainly I would say that he learned a lot of the business um, under Solar Records. Uh, and then there's Dynasty. Uh, this was a group under... Uh, created by Dick Griffey and Leon Silvers. This is another like house, uh, homegrown talent, if you will, uh, with the vocalist Nidra Beard, Linda Carrier, Carrier, and the bassist Kevin Spencer, um, who had some minor hits, uh, certainly not uh, as big as other groups, but... um, in 97, right, when uh, I know a young Satch was at the house watching uh, Rap City, and there's like this old vintage-looking video that pops on, and then that break pops on, those horns. I'm like, huh, I'm, 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 I've heard that song before. Like, yeah, what, what's that? It sounds familiar, all right? And then these two dudes with with uh, Richard Nix, Richard Nixon and uh, Ronald Reagan mask come on. They pop them off, and this is it. What Lucini falling from the sky? Let's get rich. What? And like, oh snap, you know. And Campbell has been jamming ever since. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, their very first hit and the longest lasting, most popular uh, hit song. Uh, they sampled uh, Dynasty's Adventures. In the land of music, off that album, uh, same title. So, like, if even if you don't know, like, your piece of the rock or anything like that, uh, you are familiar with that song, uh, Adventures in the Land of Music, uh, made, made wildly popular by, uh, by Camp Lowe. And, you know, you'll, you'll go out to like a hip hop show or something or, you know, somewhere where a DJ is spinning. Then they might put on the original and spin that for a second then blend that in with into uh, Lucini. And you're like, yeah, you give it a little head nod because you're like, you, you hip to that. <laughs> um, the Dynasty, uh, another band, Midnight Star, uh, love Midnight Star. Uh formed by the brothers Reginald and Vincent Calloway uh, along with a whole bunch of other people. I'm not going to sit there and try to list all those, uh, those guys, uh, but a great funk band, perfect in, for the 80s, uh, late, you know, disco type uh, music. Um, and also uh, the really cool thing about Midnight Star uh was the uh like the freakazoid record you know because they uh caught on to the use of the the vocoder which the earliest i can recall hearing his 
Stevie Wonder on Cerrito Wright's debut album. I think that's the earliest, and it's like 70, 71, around there. Um, and then I know Herbie Hancock a little bit later on his Sunlight album. He used it, and that was like 76. Uh, but, you know, Roger Zapp, of course, certainly a pioneer's architect of the vocoder and what the sound that 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 he has, you know, Roger Troutman that he uses, way different than anyone else in the way he used it. But uh, Vincent Calloway used it as well with the group uh, Midnight Star, and he was very strong with that uh, as well. Um, but yeah, Midnight Star had several hits, uh, Freakazoid. Uh, I've been watching you make it last, you know, no parking on the dance floor. It's a funky little tune right there. Um, but then, you know, they, uh, later on, they, they, they broke up, uh, particularly because, you know, Callaway Brothers felt they were doing all the work, you know, that may or may not be true. I was not a fly on the wall on that day, so I can't speak on that, but, um, they they did split up and uh Callaway was you know with with uh with the label as well and did a song like I want money lots and lots of money yeah that song which I you know it was it was cool it was cool I liked it uh Midnight Star though another another great band with uh solo records and you see like uh, like I've listed yeah, what three or four bands right so far and it's like it's it's some hits, it's some some real life jams on this label. Uh Climax also as well. Um like I said, I don't know. They were all all women band, funk band, and I can't think of of too many others. If there are any others. Now I'm pretty sure that, that there are somewhere. Somebody just gotta, you know, school me. Uh, I'm I'm down to be schooled. I don't know everything. Uh, but yeah, Climax, who, uh, they didn't last as long as well, you know, it's, it's, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame that they didn't make it as long, you know, longer than, uh, than they did, uh, they, they were, they were very important to, to the music because, you know, again, you didn't have, uh, an all all woman band, you know. You you have like the girl groups, you know, Supremes and LaBelle, uh, stuff like that, you know, the, those groups, you know. And, and you may have like a Taste of Honey, which was a band led by uh, two women, right? But as far as like all the instruments, all the vocals uh performed by by women you didn't have that you know you 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 just didn't you didn't see that and it's not like you know they're incapable you know women are incapable of doing it certainly not but it's just for whatever reason the industry just didn't create a space for that and that's kind of like it's messed up because you know how many women uh were capable of doing that and doing it well that could have got on you know and had a successful career but they just didn't uh, that's my political spiel, but at any rate, uh, Climax uh, came out with an album, I believe it's on the same name, uh, no, Never Underestimate the Powerful Woman, yeah, and then later on, uh, The Meeting in the Ladies Room, that, that's, you know, that's the one, I own that one, uh, that one is really tough right there, that, that jabs, like I said, the girls, the men all pause with that one, which was later, uh, interpolated by corrupt with the girls all pause and uh, the self-titled meeting in the ladies room uh, another dope dope hit uh, and then of course like the ballad uh, from the album I Miss You sung by uh, Joyce Irby aka Finderella uh, who sound you know a lot of people 
when that song came out, like she, you know, this person sounds like Michael Jackson. She hit that register. Uh, but that's another another dope hit from the group Climax. Uh, shortly after they, you know, broke up. And yeah, that was pretty much the end of them. Uh, I remember Joyce Irby had a song in the late 80s with Damon Wayans in the video. Uh, he was like the love interest was at a She's Not My Lover. That was the name of the song. Uh, the video was cool. I enjoyed it as a kid. Um, yeah, like all, all of this is under Solar Records. Uh, I didn't even get into Lakeside, you know. Um, another, another group formed like in the late 60s, uh, but again, had their popularity under the label uh, of Solar. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they hit uh, Fantastic Voyage, which, thanks to Coolio, you know, we will hear that forever. Um, it's All The Way Live, uh, another hit from Lakeside. My dad told me that when I was like a little baby, like, you know, still shitting the diapers, that that was like my band right there. And he would pop that on. And, you know, I, I would just start dancing and everything to, to Lakeside. So, you know, it is what it is. Hey, but uh, that's my spirit sound. Um, but yeah, Solar Records, great, great label. Uh, a lot of hits, a lot of hits, and a lot of their songs were sampled later on uh, by so many artists. I mean, Will Smith sampled, uh, was it, and the beat goes on for uh, for that Miami song. I hate that song. I hate, my, like, Will Smith. Look, man, hey, you, you, you living a life, man. You are. You live in a life. But I hate Miami. Miami is terrible in, in every stretch of the imagination. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, like I said, Coolio, his, one of his biggest hits, uh, Fantastic Voyage, um, Camp Low, but, uh, Adventures in the Land of Music, uh, and so many more. Uh, so many uh, more songs that are just so important to to Black American music. Um, the label was very important. Uh, it was great because it was a bridge between disco music and uh, like hip hop music into the mid to late eighties because you know it was you know for younger people, you know, who may not have just got caught on to hip hop yet or just that wasn't really the thing, you had a Solar Records uh to provide you, you know, just, you know, some nice, you know, good good vibes in the music, you know, where you can dance and, you know, have a good time or whatever. Pop that record on at the party. It's guaranteed jam. Ass gonna shake. Automatic. You know what I'm saying? That's what it was all about. So but yeah, and you know, later on, of course, this is, you know, a small label um with, you know, limited resources uh and having issues like say with Shalimar and with uh Climax and with the deal, you know, Babyface doing his thing. You know, and the whispers are getting older, and you know, Dynasty is not charting like they had hoped to chart, and you know, Midnight Star breaking up, and you know, all of that, and they just, with the resources that they had, they just did not have uh, enough funds, or just enough capital to go out there and like find 
you know, other artists and um and really keep keep the thing rolling. Uh did the best that they could. However, you know, I mean, what can you do if you, if you just don't have the money and you don't have the money? And then, then again, like these guys were, we're not talking about, you know, a bunch of Rudy Poot artists. We're talking about some very successful acts, right, who had uh, great careers with the label, you know, selling lots of records. But it's still just not enough. You're getting swallowed because you got like EMI and uh, Capitol Records, whatever. Uh, you have Warner Brothers. um, you have Columbia, you know, you have Electra, you had all these, you know, bigger labels, uh, MCA. It's just hard for, you know, a label like Solar to really compete in the 80s. You know, maybe now I think they could probably do a little better just because the way that the industry is, is set up right now. I think there might be some space somewhere for a label like a solar to really just pop off and be successful uh to a degree but they did what they did they were important and they they did a lot in that period you know it's just just a time capsule right it's just stuck in in that period um that doesn't take away from uh the quality of the music that came from the label nor does it take away from the importance of that label to to black music. So, uh, all in all, like eventually, uh, the label folded uh, in the in the nineties. Uh, got bought out uh, by EMI. They purchased uh, the catalog and. Uh, you know, we re-released a lot of the, some of the stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, Solar Records in a nutshell. I mean, great music. Uh, one of my again, one of my favorite labels. I when I think about uh, that label, and I and I really wanted to do a podcast dedicated to Solar Records because it's one of my favorites, and uh, I don't get to discuss you know, that, that label with a lot of people, my eyes, my eyes, when I think about it, you know, I kind of light up, you know, at that label. And I just think about, oh man, all these hits or whatever that, uh, that I could put on, I could, I could start spinning it. You know, everything's all good. Um, but yeah, great label, um, wonderful music and yes, <laughs> that's it. I'm excited now. So I'm going to play some music from Solar Records. Uh, before I do that, because we're going to go on and get up out of here, I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. I appreciate it so much. I'm your host, Satchel Page. This is The Pitch. You can check us out on iTunes. Subscribe to The Pitch Podcast, Dope Media Network on iTunes. Uh, shout out to Danielle Walls uh, for this Dope Media Network. On that, you can also check out uh, the Roguish Gent podcast, buy a t-shirt, they're $10. Uh, check out the Comprehensive Beatdown hosted by Silent G and Blogging Benilia. Uh, check us out on Satchel uh, with all the other podcasts, the local, local podcasts uh, there. Let's Talk Jackson, uh, Token Talk, Pearl River Flow. Um, yeah, all of that. Follow me at Blue Satch and at the pitch 29 on Twitter. Uh, I may or may not add you as a friend on Facebook if we on it like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, love on somebody. All right. That's what we need in the world. And Solar Records. Yes, they jam. I'm about to show you how right now. Peace.
Whenever I 